Welcome to Leave Your Mark, where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page at Scott G. Livingston. My goal is to create a community of people who take every opportunity to live high-performing lives. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice. It brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page. Reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems. Follow them at Reconditioning HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or become a member of their Facebook group, Reconditioning HQ Revolution, and join the Reconditioning Revolution. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston, and today I have the privilege of speaking with Jeff Kubos. Jeff is a chiropractor who currently practices alongside his wife in their multidisciplinary practice in Spruce Grove, Alberta. Originally from Toronto, Jeff also holds a degree in physical education and health and a master's degree in kinesiology. Jeff is a consultant to a number of athletes and sports organizations have worked at the Pan American Games, World University Games, the Artistic Gymnastics World Championships, yet also thrives on working with athletes on the front lines at the community level. In 2012, he was the chair of the medical services for the Alberta Winter Games. Jeff has been a quiet leader in the human performance in Canada for many years now, and I'm happy to have him on the show today. Welcome, Jeff. Oh, thanks, Scotty. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, um, you and I have bumped into each other many times over the years and kind of uh, at conferences or different events, said hello, you know, had a a beer in the same vicinity, so to speak, but never actually sat and chatted for any substantial length of time. So it's nice to finally sit down and get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is the selfish pursuit of uh, of this podcast at times. So you grew up in Toronto. Um, what were what were sort of your influences in Toronto growing up? That uh, either from a sports perspective or an academic perspective that shaped uh, your life. Oh, probably my biggest influences uh, was definitely my family. Um, when it comes to sport, I remember. I think it was. Uh, I must have been four, five, or six years old, and uh, I grew up in a small apartment in downtown Toronto. It was called Regent Park. Probably not the best of neighborhoods, but uh, that's where my my parents lived. (laughs) And um, so my father would watch Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday nights. And uh, he, he somehow bought me this old, really heavy, hot Maple Leaf jersey. (laughs) Toronto Maple Leafs jersey so he loved hockey he loved watching it and uh, I would sit there watching watching the game with him Uh, and then it so happened that uh, he bought me skates and a helmet and I never had gloves but I used old slippers as gloves and um, thong slippers so during the game uh, watching Hockey Night in Canada on Saturdays I would throw my skates on and chew up the carpet just walk around with a stick, pretending I was on the ice playing. But the funny thing is, when uh, when a fight broke out, I would throw down the slippers and pretend fight with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's probably a, a vivid memory of mine. And then, it, and then it would evolve into 
during intermission, someone would interview uh, one of the players. My dad would throw a towel around my neck and interview me. yeah it's funny and then as i got older i would flip the couch around and those would be the boards that i would hop over when i would uh come come onto the ice so uh yeah growing up there was that and then and then we moved out into the suburbs in scarborough and uh just playing outside with uh my friends and and we had family that lived nearby and then and then eventually um my older cousins who lived nearby, they, they were in a, in a softball league. So I joined that league and then eventually played baseball. Hmm. And, uh, but my dad really wanted me to play ho- ice hockey. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so I was about seven years old at the time. Never, maybe we've been on skates once or twice, although I had a pair of skates. Um, and he just found, my dad's very persistent. So he, he found a local league and said, oh, yeah, this was, I think, in November. So the season had already started in September. And I was seven years old, and the only team that could take on a player was a, a group of nine-year-olds. And so he said, yeah, my son, he's a great hockey player. He's really good. And as 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 we look back, and he, and he tells the story now, you know, it's like the beehive would be on one end of the, of the rink, and then I would be on the other end. By the time I get to the other end, the game's in the other end. So, uh, by, by the end of that year, by the end of that year, I was very proud to have won the most improved player award. You were in good shape from chasing the beehive. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And then a few years later, I realized what most improved player actually was. <laughs> Just that you, you were to, never good to begin with. You had to come from somewhere to begin with, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Your, your parents are, are immigrants from the Philippines, right? Yeah. Yeah, so how how come your dad fell in love with hockey coming from the Philippines? You you would think it would be a different sport that he would have fallen in love with. Why would, what was his passion for it? You know, I think I'm not sure exactly, but I think it might have to do with I've had immigrant relatives and families uh, live with us over the years as I was growing up. And what I found was as soon as they would hit North America, this is like their Disneyland. So they try to uh, assimilate themselves with the culture. Gotcha. And so my, so my assumption is that that was, you know, my dad moved from the Philippines to Windsor, Ontario. And then after a year, he moved to Toronto. And so obviously ice hockey is big in Toronto as it is in Canada. So uh, I think he just took to it, took to it, never been on the ice himself, um, but was just enamored by it. And then, you know, his, his dream was always for me to play in the NHL. <laughs> um, and, and clearly that was just a dream. Uh, um, but, but the closest I came was my brother-in-law played in the NHL. So, um, so yeah, I guess that, that's, that's as close as I got. <laughs> yeah. So what are you, when you look back at your, your, uh, growing up and in your parents and um, what they did, like how, what kind of influence did they have on you in terms of your, who you are today? And obviously that's a big question, but is, are there certain sure. things you can look back on and say, you know, I really took this from my father or really took this from my mother. What those were. Um, I guess it, it's something that I really actually didn't appreciate until I was later. I was mm-hmm. until I was older um, growing up. My parents had a, uh, they were hardworking, 
as many other parents are. Um, and not only did they have their full-time job, full-time jobs, but they also had side businesses, I guess, you know, now they call it side hustles, but, uh, side, side businesses just to really try and, and make ends meet. And so growing up, my parents had, uh, Filipino grocery stores and Filipino money remittances. That's no different than Western union. Um, my parents would make Filipino sausages in the basement and in our garage and I would help them out. And so it was just in our nature to, to help out with a family business. So, you know, I, although I played organized sports and played outside, um, we were really, my, my two sisters and I were really busy helping out the family businesses. So, um, so just inherently that, that nature of always working, always doing something kind of built into me. And then it wasn't until recently that my, my father is somewhat secretive about his own personal life only because he went through his own hardships. Uh, so only recently did he actually tell me his story. And, and I guess to be brief is I always knew that his father passed away when he was a young, a young boy. And again, again, I know he's pretty secretive. And so just to make it brief, um, his father was a fisherman back in the Philippines and, and they grew up in, in a very small Island. And, um, yeah, I guess when he was five or six, he would go to the shore and, and fish with my dad before school. Um, and then his dad got sick. And by the time my dad was 11, his dad passed away. Mm. And so he had, uh, four other siblings and he was the oldest male in the family. So to make a long story short, he would go out to the shore before grade, before school with, with my grandmother, get fish from his uncle, who was also a fisherman, a bucket of fish, go back into town, sell it to the locals to help make money for the family. Wow. And then go out, tread off to school. So, you know, imagine what 11 year olds are doing now. And, and that's what he was doing. So when he finally told me that it, it really hit home that, you know, a lot of who I am is, is just because they wanted the best for me. And, and it's funny because, you know, my, my dad's a very sentimental guy and, um, he was almost too, too proud of me. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. we can be at Tim Hortons in line and he'll tell the Tim Hortons staff member that, Oh, I'm a doctor of chiropractic, <laughs> which is totally irrelevant. <laughs> you know, hi, my name is Mr. Kubos, but this is my son. He's a doctor. And I always shied away from that. So that's why I, I, I somewhat keep uh, to myself a little bit just because, you know, um, but, but only because he was proud mm. and only because he was proud. And, and then with, with my mother, she was a, a savory little, but you knew exactly what she was thinking. Mm. So if, if there was anything that, uh, that I take to me now, it's that, um, you know, um, I always know what my mother's thinking and, um, the last person I want to, uh, make upset is her just because it would hurt me more. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what, what was the fire igniter for you to get into, um, I assume first and foremost, you went into phys ed and then sort of discovered other things thereafter. So what was the ignition switch for that for you? Our sponsor, reconditioninghq.com, is going virtual. The 
reconditioning level one has been turned into a complete online experience. And all the time-tested systems and processes are now available to you in 20 hours of online video modules and two virtual Zoom sessions. Reconditioning is a very powerful language and system of practice that brings the worlds of therapy and performance together in one complete package and helps you deliver the most powerful injury and performance solutions to your clients. Check them out at reconditioninghq.com today and join the reconditioning revolution. Well, it's funny because I actually didn't get into phys ed at first. I was, okay. uh, in, in high school, I was, uh, I'd say I was smart enough to get by, but, uh, <laughs> I also had some fun in high school. So, so I got into the University of Toronto and I was, I was that guy that would spend time in between classes and during classes, just laying down on the couches in the lounge, hanging out with my friends that lived in, in residence. So, um, so then I transferred into phys ed after a few years because I figured, okay, what the heck am I doing? But like nothing. Um, so I was like a 60 average student, just barely passing. And then actually for whatever reason, I, I got into phys ed at, at the university of Toronto um, and, and found really what I loved. Um, and, and it's funny. It's like you, you, you find something you truly enjoy and automatically I was an A student, um, hardworking. I used to smoke in high school. I used to smoke in my first few years of undergrad and I got into phys ed and it was just, it was, it was easy to quit. Mm. Um, just because I knew, I actually knew what I wanted to do. Well, somewhat I, I, I knew what I really enjoyed. So I did that. And then, um, and then how, how did the you, how did you know, just to, do, how did you know, like when you went in, how did you know you, you, this is what you liked? Or loved? Uh, it was, well, partly it was, it was a small program of a hundred students per cohort and everyone else was essentially being successful. People wanted to be te- teachers. Some people wanted to be, you know, medical doctors and, and physical therapists and everybody had almost a purpose, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I was with the right people. Mm. Um, and, and with that program, they had placements and internships. And so my first placement was, uh, with, uh, the UFT baseball team. And, uh, um, and then because I really enjoyed that, I jumped onto the, to the UFT track team as a student therapist mm, and, okay. and Ed Ratz, Ed Ratz is a massage therapist in Toronto. And he always thought outside the box and didn't do traditional massage thinking. He was talking about Yonda and whoever else. And, and so, uh, I learned from him that, you know, it was, uh, it was important to, to think outside your bubble, hmm. but then, um, because I was hungry for more, I always thought I was going to be a physiotherapist or an athletic therapist, hmm. but I somehow scored a place with, uh, Dr. Joe Polino was a chiropractor for the Toronto Raptors at the time. Hmm. And his brother, Mike Polino was, was with the NHL for the longest time. So, um, I was uh, doing a placement with him and at the time, you know, he would take me to Raptors games. Um, in a way it was really so I could babysit his son. <laughs> so his son and myself would go to Toronto Raptors games. But when I was in the clinic, he had Raptors and, uh, and other professional athletes coming in. And I remember even Matt Nickel came in one time and, and I thought I want to do what he does, what he does. So I had applied to athletic therapy, I had applied to physiotherapy, and I applied to chiropractic college. But because I, I, I really enjoyed what Joe Polino was doing, I didn't even pursue physio or, or athletic therapy just, just because I enjoyed what he was doing, So, mm-hmm. which led me to chiropractic school. 
Very cool. Yeah. And so when you got into chiropractic, because there's a, you have the perception of what it is, but then you get into it and you start doing it. Did, did it live up to what you were hoping it was going to be? Or was it, uh, you know, what was your learning experience in, in actually becoming a doctor of chiropractic? Yeah, I would say, well, I mean, to be honest with you, my, my first experience with chiropractic was with Joe Polino. Hmm. I just knew that I wanted to do what he did. Okay. So, so I really had no expectations of chiropractic college at all. Okay. Um, and, and he was a big active release guy and he was an instructor and, and again, would take me to these seminars and I would just sit in the back and be his helper, even as an undergraduate student. Hmm. So by the time I got into chiropractic school, uh, I think it was September of my first year, he said, Jeff, go take a course. So I took an active release course. And so I guess I was the first one in my class to take ART. Um, and from that, everybody kept asking me questions and I knew nothing. And, and I would fully admit I knew nothing, but I just wanted to practice. So if someone had tightness here or tightness there, or just wanted me to practice on them, I would practice on them. Hmm. Um, and then that led to the next thing and the next thing. And, um, and at the same time, I was also, uh, he also set me up with a local, uh, minor ice hockey team to work with. So I was kind of doing, doing the school thing and then working as a team trainer and, and, and strength coach for, uh, a triple a bantam hockey team throughout my entire, uh, chiropractic, uh, experience. So, uh, I would say to answer your question, I would say I, I never really had any expectations. I kind of created my own experience. Um, so, so I never, uh, you know, I know some people have felt that chiropractic college wasn't what they had expected, but because I had no expectations, I kind of made it what, what I wanted to make it. Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. just, uh, you know, I've interviewed a few different guys who come from a chiropractic background, background like Craig Liebenson and, uh, sure. was talking to Jazz Ranwana last week. And the, the idea that, you know, there are sort of camps of, of practice in chiropractic, sort of the traditionalists, then there's, you know, the people who are sort of more have gotten into the, the ART and manual sort of external manual therapy techniques. And then there's the guys who are kind of linked to the, call it the conditioning and training side of things. And I I think you probably are in more in that box, but I'm just curious. You know, I was just curious whether you ran into kind of a philosophical, um, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, but yeah. you know, some people feel that there's a bit of a philosophical um, limiter there or driver or sure. things that you have to sort of manage around in the, in the society of chiropractic <clears throat> in some way. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I mentioned Ed Ratz and he was my first, quote unquote mentor and um and he was a massage therapist but he was learning about athletic therapy he was learning about physiotherapy he was learning about strength and conditioning and, and what i took from him i guess i was i was a blank slate when i was with him so what i took from him was just learn outside your bubble mm. and so um yeah surely the the conflicts within chiropractic do exist but at the same time um, I was just kind of curious. So, you know, um, and, and, and it's to this day now, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take things from whoever I want to take it. I was, you know, not to go on a, on a, it was, um, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. I was just driving and my, my mind went wandering and I feel like, 
you know, life or, or your profession is almost like, it's like a, over the time of your life, it's, it's a, it's a tall, tall building by the time you hit 80 or, or whatever. And in your first year, whether it be a young boy or, or your young professional, you're stuck in the room on the first floor and you're looking out one window, what let's say, let's call it East. Mm-hmm. And it's important to have windows on the east, the north, the south, and the west side. Hmm. And then in your second year of life or the second year of career, your career, you're up to the second level. And some people still face east and others, you know, strive to make sure that they have four windows, hmm. right? So the window is their own personal profession. Let's say chiropractic for mine. West is strength and conditioning. North is, I don't know, a hobby like woodworking. And, and south is a sport or whatever. And so by the time you're at your 40th level, you're, let's say your 40th year in practice or your 40th year of age, again, there are some people that just look face one direction or face all four directions. And, you, you know, in your early stages of your career, you know, when you're still on the first floor, you have such a, uh, uh, a precise view of what you see right in front of you outside your window. But by the time you're in your 60, 70, 80th floor of the building you realize that the minutiae doesn't matter that it's just that big picture Mm -hmm. so so i you know once i kind of came to that recently i realized that it's important for us to have as many windows as we can and as we as we move up the stories or the mm. levels in our life. Yeah. So yeah. life and or profession. So I like, that. I like I, that metaphor. That's a nice one. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm very curious mm. because, because at some point when you're helping whoever you're helping, what you took from something totally unrelated is going to apply. Mm. You know, I know you have a, a, a diverse background, at, you, you know, yourself, you know, as a strength coach, as a clinician, uh, as someone who curates information and spreads it to others. And, and, and then you just lived such a, you live such a fulfilled life. Right. So, mm. um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's curiosity. Yeah, no, that's uh, I love hearing that. And, you know, it's, uh, actually been something that I've been during all this tumultuous time that we're going through right now. You know, my, my viewpoint is that curiosity is something that we need to seek to cultivate more in ourselves. Uh, how is that, how is that, when you look at that four windows piece, how has that influenced you um, in your life in terms of not being too, too far down the rabbit hole of being a, a chiropractor and, and maybe, you know, maintaining a hobby or connecting to family or these things? Has that been something that's kept, kept you grounded or allowed you to sort of your, your interest and curiosity and your openness to sort of learning more? Is, how does that serve uh-huh. you? Matrix Fitness is one of the largest commercial fitness brands in the world and one of the fastest growing in the industry. Their equipment and programs are used by athletes and coaches at all levels globally. COVID-19 has changed and will change so many things. During these uncertain times, Matrix's team of engineers have quickly put together its free home workout app and youth at home workout programs. With its launch just a couple of weeks ago, they now have first responders, pro athletes, and average folks using the guide to help them with their daily movement. This is a great example of how Matrix strives to be the best fitness company in the world to serve people and communities is their goal. You can download their free app and see additional resources at matrixtotal.com 
www.matrixsolutionssupport.com. That is H-T-T-P-S www.matrixfitnesssolutionssupport.com. Well, now it has. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, now that you're up in the 40 floors up there, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, again, I've always been curious, um, and that's driven me. Um, but, but I would say that uh, there was a point in life where I, um, I went down the, so far down a, a certain rabbit hole of, of work and passion. And, and that really got me into trouble with, with, with on the home front. Mm. Um, so, so having said that now it's, uh, the, the four windows really helps me, I guess you can say be present. Mm. Uh, and then, and that's my wife will, you know, if she were here right now, she would look at me funny because, you know, she always has to remind me to, you know, to look up at her while I'm speaking with her and, and not at whatever else I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, you know, just this past weekend or the last few weekends, I've been building a deck and building a few other things. And it, it's, it's gotten me away from, uh, what, what I was doing a month ago, which was really diving down into learning because there's nothing else to do in this world other than spend and spend all your time in front of the computer. So it was definitely a nice balance. Um, and then I've got my dog to ground me. So, um, and then family, I love being with my nieces and nephews. So, yeah, I always, yeah, you mentioned uh, in the things you said you have nine nieces and nephews. That's a yeah, that's a tall yeah. order as an uncle. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is, and you know, I. It's funny. I used to call it Uncle Jeff's daycare. So, you know, if I would we would take them out and come over and have sleepovers and whatnot. And and what we started, my wife and I started doing over the past few years was instead of giving them gifts like physical gifts, and it was just a one year thing where. Um, we, we told them during Christmas time that we would take them out, each of them for a special day, uh, during the year. And they got to choose what they wanted to do as long as it's, uh, you know, not too extravagant, which, which, which my oldest nephew said, can I just bank this year's with next year's and you could take a ski, you could take me skiing, which he did convinced (laughs) us. But then, but then at the end of the year, when we recapped, we, we, we set them all down and we recap what they did they enjoyed that so much more than any gift we could have ever given them Mm. right so and and they're as young as we've got another one on the way but they're as young as an infant to up to the oldest one now just turned 12 last week um so it's uh you don't realize the kind of influence you have on them um hopefully you're able to do that before it's too late, but uh, it's definitely something that, that I enjoy. I enjoy going to their hockey games or the gymnastics or the cheer and uh, just rooting them on. Yeah. That's awesome. How is that? It's also easy. It's also easy to get busy and not show up. Right. Right. Yeah. So. I was going to say, how do you, how is, how has being an uncle changed you in some sense? Like what, what have, what have you recognized in your own spirit as an uncle that you maybe didn't before you started playing that role in life, so to speak? Um, you, I guess I could say I've, I appreciate what I don't have hmm. more. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know, um, seeing these kids grow, growing up and, and not having any children myself, 
Mm-hmm. Um, my one niece said it best, where it's when when she comes over, she has our full attention. Mm-hmm. We don't have children to tend to. And that's not a bad thing, but we don't have children to tend to that we give her our full attention. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, you know, she, 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 she turned the light on in our, in our heads that, oh yeah, we are, we are these influential figures in, in, in their lives. Um, and so, um, and then at the same time, you see, you know, my sister's got two kids and, uh, each of my wife's siblings have three kids of their own. And, uh, I don't want to say it's, I call it observing, not judging, but (laughs) every, every sets of parents have their own, have their own style of parenting. Mm -hmm. Right. And then even in the clinic, I have, you know, patients and they bring their children and, and you, you, you kind of see, well, that type of parenting style, and it's so dynamic. And it, as Jazz said, it's 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 chaotic, right? It's complex. But uh, you know that type of parenting style is raising their kids this way. This type of parenting style is raising their kids that way. And then, so I would say that I have the best of of all of them because I see what works and what potentially doesn't work. <laughs> but having said that, I don't have the physical experience of of actually of actually doing it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. That's awesome. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, you, you finish school, chiropractic school and how does your professional career blossom? Where, where do you go from there? And, and what are the influences that sort of cultivate your career from that point on? Yeah. So I finished chiropractic school and then I immediately went into uh, my, my master's degree. So mm-hmm. I kind of did it backwards. And truthfully, the only reason why I did my master's degree was because of the fellowship uh, or the, res- the sports specialist residency program with the, the Royal College of Chiropractic Sports Sciences. So it, it so happened that, you know, I, I had really wanted to get into the graduate program at CMCC in Toronto at the chiropractic college there for my sports residency. There were 15 applicants. Only two were, were going to be accepted. It so happened that there were so many applicants that they accepted three and I wasn't one of them. Mm. My three other classmates that got in all deserved to get in. I just wanted to get in <laughs> and I didn't get in. Um, but at the same time, there, there, were, there was an opportunity to do your sports residency externally. So it's more self-directed. And so in order to do that, you would have to do it at a, at a, at a, at a university institution. Hmm. So then I got into my master's degree at York university with Joe Baker and Allison McPherson. Um, and they were at the time starting a big study with head impacts in ice hockey. And I had already been working with ice hockey and their research study was with the same organization that I was already working with. So everything fell into place. Um, so I piggybacked onto that research study and, and going back to the whole outside of the bubble, it got me outside of the CMCC bubble, Mm. um, which, you know, it's one of those blessing in disguises that I would never trade for the world. I would have absolutely, you know, loved the opportunity to, to do a graduate program at the chiropractic college, but I wouldn't trade my experience of 
of being outside of the mm. bubble. In, in fact, I would say I got the best of both worlds because I would still hang out with my colleagues at CMCC. I would double dip. <laughs> I would do my own program and then go back to CMCC, teach there, at, you know, teach small groups part-time, hang out with my colleagues that were in the internal program, and then, uh, and then kind of uh, carve my own path. Mm. Um, so then we, yeah, so we were still at Toronto in Toronto at the time I was, uh, working as a strength coach, uh, working as a, as a hockey trainer or a medical trainer. Um, my, uh, my supervisor, Glenn Harris was keeping me on track because it was very self-directed and obviously sometimes I can get carried away with doing one thing and not the other. Um, and by the time I finished that in 2009, my wife is from Spruce Grove, Alberta, so she wanted to move back to Edmonton into the Edmonton area. So we moved out. How how would you have met her? Cairo school. Okay. (laughs) Oh boy. That's another story in and of itself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We were classmates. We were were classmates. And and I would say there were at least six or seven other couples that came out graduating together. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, uh, we would, we, we would study together and then one thing would like lead to another. And we were, there's a small group of friends of us, you know, group of friends that we would all get together and study and so forth. So, so yeah, so we graduated together. She, after a few years of living in Toronto, we, we got married in 2006, the year we graduated, lived and worked in Toronto. Um, but by the time I was done, my graduate studies, she wanted to move back home because it was such a rat race in Toronto. You can absolutely make it there, uh, but she didn't want that pace of life. Hmm. So, so we moved out west, and uh, so you graduated two thousand six. Went back to Spruce Grove, where in two thousand six, Spruce Grove's most it, famous gal, Jen Heil, won her gold medal. That, that absolutely, year. yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and so so she and just a few years after we graduated, she uh, she had a street not too not too far from my house named after her. Right. <laughs> so she's definitely, her family is definitely a, a presence here. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so we moved out here and then again, I, I again, I had to carve my own path. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to, you know, uh, you know, to my own horn or anything. It's just more so that, uh, um, I had, we bought a clinic, so we had no other money to our name and I had to find a way to, keep learning and to stay involved. And so, um, lots of studying started blogging. Everybody else was blogging at the time. And that was kind of the tipping point for social media to connect with each other. And so I've made such good friends and I stumbled upon, you know, Craig Liebenson. And at the time he took me under, under his wing and had me come out to courses to assist him, um, and met other influential figures in my life you know charlie weingrapp patrick ward not to name drop or anything like that but those are mm-hmm. people that i definitely need to you know um give credit to 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 shape who i've become mm-hmm. you you've also sort of been involved a lot in in the hockey community is that because as 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 your childhood sort of influenced you 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 liked that that world and stayed connected to that world throughout your career yeah um i was never a good hockey player um 
but I played organized hockey and up until at least I was 16 or 17. And I guess it was until I didn't make the high school team. Um, so because I didn't make the high school team, I had some time. So then I volunteered at my elementary school team as a kind of as an apprentice assistant coach. Um, and then from then on, when I was in chiropractic school, actually I played intramural ice hockey in university mm. and it was still full contact at the time. And I loved it. I would get hammered, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. So by the time I got into chiropractic school, Joe Polino asked me to, he said, there's a, a coach that I know, Peter Miller. Uh, he needs, he needs a guy to take care of his athletes. So it ended up that I would work with him for the next six years working in minor hockey, uh, taking 13 year old kids up to their draft year, they would get drafted. Then we would repeat the process three years later. Um, so something that just because, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing that. It led me to spending a lot of times at the rink. And, and so while I was in school, I would study in the penalty box. You know, if I wasn't pushing pucks and I had an exam coming, they would notify me in the penalty box studying for my exam because I had to be there. I was there six, five, six, seven days a week. Um, and then that led to, you know, other teams saying, Jeff, we need some help. So I would, you know, cover junior A teams and so on and so forth. And you just develop relationships that way. And then by the time we moved out to here to Spruce Grove, I just, I love cold called I love cold calling. So I just called the local junior, junior A hockey team if, if they need some help. And at the time they only had one team, one team staff member that wasn't the coach. And he was their equipment manager, the team trainer, a retired nurse, um, who was taking care of their injuries. So there, Jeff, we would absolutely welcome your help. We don't know who you, who you are, but we know you've worked in hockey. So we would welcome your help. And it just so happened that they were a really good team. Uh, the t- one of the top in the country. And, uh, and so I worked with them for the next eight, nine years. Mm. Um, and, uh, it was myself and the retired nurse, uh, as, uh, as the medical staff and it was just a few, few minutes away from my clinic. So everything just, everything seems to fall into place just by cold calling. <laughs> yeah. That's oftentimes the way it works. So, yeah. so you have, you always practiced like, has your, you and your wife always practiced together or is that's like you mentioned in the thing that you guys got divorced and then now you're back together and you're yeah, working together. Yeah. Was that sort of a, you were together working together or you weren't? It's like, how did no, all that go no, down? We, yeah. <laughs> What's in your ZNA? That is a question our sponsor Zenkai Sports has for you. Are you interested in increasing your performance output, helping the environment, and doing less laundry? If you answered yes to any of those questions, please go to ZenkaiSports.com and check out the latest innovation in performance apparel. Zenkai uses cutting-edge technology that repels sweat and other liquids. Zenkai apparel lets the sweat stay on your skin, keeping your cooler for longer and repelling odor-causing bacteria. This means Zenkai apparel can be worn 10, 15, 20 times with no washing required. I would highly recommend trying this amazing product, and I've teamed up with them so you can get 20% off your entire order. Just head over to ZenkaiSports.com and use the discount code LYM20. 
it's it's uh, it's definitely a story. Um, unpack that story, yes. Yeah, okay. I'll pack, unpack it as best as I can. Um, so we took over the clinic in 2009, and because I wanted to, help, I want to get as much experience as I can. I wanted to help as much as I can. I wanted to learn as much as I can. I would cold call whoever I can and see if I can get a position, a voluntary, a volunteer position on their team. So, you know, I've worked with, you know, at the world Jewish ice hockey championships. Um, I've never in my life would I have gone, would I have thought that I've gone to Israel at such an early age and so I, I went there. Uh, I worked with inline hockey for a couple of years uh, at their world championships. Um, and, and any and every organization I can help. But what ends up happening is because I'm away a lot volunteering, one, I'm not making money. Two, I'm losing money because I'm not in the clinic. And also going to courses. You know, I would, I would go to a course and I would review it on my blog just for the sake of my own learning. Um, and so after a few years, um, I guess the, the best way to put it, I was away at a training camp with a track and field team, with the, with the local uh, university track and field team. And at the time, my wife was back home. She was at a gym. At, after hours at the gym, three three or four guys involved with organized crime for whatever reason assaulted the gym owner hmm. and my wife was the only witness so they took my wife aside they kind of i guess you can say they took her aside and uh intimidated her and and said you you shouldn't be here you're not seeing what you're seeing hmm. and i was away at the time Right. So that obviously really shocked her. So I was away. I wasn't there for her then. I got back. She was still scarred. And, you know, she was going through the process of, okay, well, should I testify? Should I not testify? For the sake of our own safety, I didn't want her to testify. But she was at this kind of crossroads. Yet, so then I started to stay home more and be there for her. Within a month, I, I kept, within a month, I started to go back away to courses and travel with teams and so on and so forth. So one, I wasn't there for her then. Two, we had a bit of a conflict in whether she would testify or not. And then three, I started to go back and do my own thing. Mm. So that led to her not wanting to be together anymore. Cause I'm not pulling my weight at home. I'm not pulling my weight for her. I'm not pulling my weight for my, for the clinic, losing money. And one day she's like, I'm not doing this. So, uh, at the time I was like, okay, what the hell is going on with my life? <laughs> Sorry, Scotty, you said you wanted me to unpack this. So I'm, 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 I'm unpacking this. No, it's good. It's um, awesome. Not yeah. awesome happened but awesome that you're talking about it because i think a lot of people go through these things and they don't always well, understand what to do with them so yeah absolutely and and you know every does everyone does thing 
things the way they they need to do things but this is just my story i guess so mm-hmm. um at the time you know her parents were going through uh an issue too so we ended up moving back to her father's place uh just to kind of support him and so she wanted to leave the house but i figured well i don't i don't think we should separate because in my opinion if i wanted to make things work out again I, at the time, I didn't think separation would help. Hmm. Where, you know, the, the more time you spend away together, that, you know, it's, uh, I, f- I felt that you would just grow apart. But because it was, it, because it was her father's place, I, I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll move out, which I didn't want to, but I'll move out. So I ended up moving into her, her sister's basement because I had no family in Spruce Grove, right? So, you know, her, her sister and husband took me in. I, I moved into their basement for a couple months. Um, and then fast forward. So we didn't divorce, thankfully, but uh, we were separated for two years. Um, and at the same time, working side by side in the clinic together. So... Um, yeah, it's uh, that was definitely uh, a pivotal moment in my life where, you know, and, and we, you know, because we own the clinic, we have 15 people that work with us. You have to put on a face, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of turmoil behind the scenes, yet, you know, we're putting on a face for our patients. We're putting on a face for our staff. I'm sure people could read us like a book, but at the same time, you know, if if we vomited everything that was happening, everybody would leave us. <laughs> everybody would leave the clinic. So, so yeah, she would be on one side of the clinic. I would be on the other side of the clinic. This was all happening. And uh, two years later, she wanted to have nothing to do with me for the, for the full year and a half. Uh, but we're still working together. And uh, two years later, we somehow made it work. And, and here we are. You went out on a date and here you are. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, one thing I have tattooed on my chest is, uh, the three words, patience, persistence, and perseverance. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something coincidentally that I, I, you know, I'm somewhat of, I'm a spiritual guy. I'm a religious guy. And, uh, I used to say a prayer before every exam in, in undergrad and in, in chiropractic college. Um, and pretty much anytime I take a test now, I say a little prayer to myself and I always pray for, um, uh, patience, persistence, and perseverance. And coincidentally through all that patience, persistence, and perseverance, this was like what got me through amongst other things. Uh, that's uh, awesome. yeah. Well, that's a good segue for your, your moment of, uh, purpose so you were born april 2nd correct yeah you're an aries too so your purpose is to transform your fears and weaknesses into strengths through the understand through understanding them and sharing them with others mirror mirror on the wall is who i see you or me this is the question every aries too asks each morning they face the challenge of recognizing their own feelings and not confusing them with those of others remember the world is fickle it loves and rejects according to its needs not our deeds there's no way to please it so the aries too must learn to please and nurture themselves to this they've got to be able to bond with others without becoming dependent and to separate without feeling abandoned or alone remember family is 
composed not just of those of the same blood, but anyone with whom we choose to share our intimate feelings. When, when we bond with others, we increase our strength. Like children, the Aries too either can be absorbed in their own feelings or lost in someone else's. Incredibly sensitive, they are easily hurt and hold on to their pain. Their protection is retreat or attack. If they choose to attack, they are ruthless. Anger is a great defense mechanism. It is not just not it is just not a happy one. Because they live so close to their feelings, they are they're creative and anything they produce will be unique. Obsessive, they throw themselves into their art and find themselves find it helps them express themselves learning to openly communicate emotions is their challenge their gifts of intuition and psychic ability distort their expectations others should know what they want and need when it doesn't happen they become disappointed and retreat further within themselves if they're old enough to complain and be miserable they're old enough to begin sorting out the avalanche of feelings they've been accumulating since birth none of these talents will serve them well if they can't step out of themselves the aries too must get rid of self-pity piety self-piety and begin to make those dreams come true all they need is to see themselves as separate to learn to nurture themselves and use their courage to help other help and protect others then they look in the mirror they'll know who's looking back matrix fitness produces training equipment that focuses on improving the training experience for athletes and coaches alike with equipment that focuses on building speed power and explosive performance in the most efficient manner matrix has partnered with some of the top sporting organizations worldwide as a global brand with local support the matrix performance team assists their customers with solutions research and training protocols so coaches can focus on what they do best help athletes prepare for competition and get better Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Matrix Fitness Canada for the latest updates around the success stories that document what makes Matrix unique as an equipment manufacturer. So if you send that to me, guaranteed, I will have that entire passage tattooed to the other side of my chest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. If you don't mind, please I will just send it to you for sure. Take a take a picture of that and no problem. Uh, because oh, you 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 know as you were reading that, I was just kind of like I, I've got a little bit of shivers right now and just kind of have a smirk to my face. So oh, when I read Jazz's uh, a couple weeks ago, he's the same. Yeah. He's like, I don't even believe in that stuff, Scotty, and you got me. <laughs> well, it's. Yeah, it's uh, that's crazy. a whole other, uh, that's a whole other episode to itself. If we unpack each and every sentence of that, it's uh, yeah, that's uh, I mean, well, it's funny. The uh, end point of it is kind of like what you described about the buildings piece. That you know, you're going, you're you're kind of coming to that point in your life where you recognize, you know, in some sense, what it was all about or what it's for. In some sense, you know. So I think you're having yeah. that moment. You know, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think even the first sentence, you know, what's uh, what's that line from Jerry Maguire? You had me at hello. You had me at that first sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh Crazy. boy! Crazy. Yeah. So absolutely. you. So where is your, you know, where is life going for you at this point? You're, um, you, you, you've got a great practice going on and you're, you know, obviously back together with your, your wife and stuff. And what is, 
what does the next chapter or the next 40 floors look like for you in, in, in your mind right now? Um, I've learned to, uh, to not look too far ahead mm-hmm. because you never know. You absolutely never know where life is going to take you. Mm-hmm. Obviously we have, you know, we have, we have our practice. Uh, and I, and I am still working with, um, organizations and, and, and individual athletes. Um, although uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit more strategic on that front in the sense that, um, I need to make sure that it's, it's, uh, doing so that benefits both parties, meaning benefits the, the organizer. So for example, track athletics, Canada, you know, I will help out with them because I enjoy it, but I also have to take care of the home front in the sense that I have to make sure that I'm not, uh, over committing to, to, to anything. Um, so, and then I have some athletes that I'm working with here, uh, locally, uh, uh, outside of the clinic as well. Um, from a personal standpoint, I, you know, I just built a, a few things here at home and, and we're, you know, I'll say no one knows this other than our most immediate family, but we are in the process of adoption. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe <laughs> I know I'm in for a rude awakening and I said what I said earlier, but <laughs> observing all the different parenting styles. Um, and I know you, you could read whatever you want, but until you, you're in the middle of it, and, and you would, you would agree with me as a parent yourself, um, that, uh, you don't know what you're in for until you're in it. Oh, you're getting um, so, close to the age I was when I, when I had my daughter at 45 and that was, uh, that was an awakening for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're in the process of that. And so, uh, long story short is I, I myself can't have kids for physical reasons. Um, so we felt that it was a right time to try and pursue this route. So who knows what's in store for me in the next few years. Well, you have some good practices, uh, an uncle anyways. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's this. I don't, don't always ask this question, but uh, you know, when y- you will someday perish from this earth, hopefully not for a long time, what do you, what do you hope that people remember you for? Or how do you, how do you hope people remember you? Um, I guess you can say, huh, that's a, that's a, a good question. Um, to well you got me there um <laughs> I, I hope i hope people remember me as, as someone who um who others can can learn from i guess my i wouldn't i don't want i don't want to call it my mistakes mm. but through my decisions in the face of adversity mm. right so so going going back to the whole tattoo thing, I have another one on the back of my shoulder, which was very, 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 very pivotal at the time of turmoil and separation with my wife. And and what it says is, and I got this from Eric Grayton, who wrote the book Resilience. And and my friend Daniel Martinez, he 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 recommended this recommended this book to me at the time and it says the world is what it is and will be what it will be despite our best efforts 
we could never really mass we could never really uh eliminate unfairness or do away with tragedy um and we can never master pain we can only ma- gain mastery of ourselves mm-hmm. right so um i feel like you know everybody's got something going on in their life and how we choose to decide what we do in in the face of that adversity i think i hope you know and again i'm 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 a bit of a private guy not because i don't want anyone to know anything about me but at the same time there are so many other people going through worse stuff than i am mm-hmm. and you would never know right so mm-hmm. so so i think it, it it's you know if, if someone were to remember me that you know he lived a decent life went through crap like just like everybody else but pressed on mm-hmm. so and again don't get me wrong obviously you know there's stuff going on in the US right now and people are having it worse than i am uh or than i have but at the same time we all have our own individual battles and struggles i i sorry i have i have one thing that uh, you know man's search for meaning was a uh, was also a, a, an important book for me at the time too. And he mm-hmm. says in this one uh, section here, it becomes clear that the sort of person the prisoner became was the result of an inner decision and not the result of camp influences alone. Fundamentally, therefore, any man can, even under such circumstances, decide what shall become of him mentally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, my dad went through issues sure you know grow, growing up and you would never know you know he pressed on so uh mm-hmm. i think that's definitely you know if someone were to to ask me what's what's important you know it's patience perseverance and persistence i like it yeah. perfect perfect way to call this uh call this a wrap and i uh, thank you for taking the time and enlightening me in your insightful life and uh, hopefully we'll do it sometime face to face uh, over a beer at some future point well scotty i was just i had my flights booked for your summit <laughs> like, <laughs> at the end of the month tell so me, I'm, dude, I'm still gonna attend don't tell yeah, me about maybe it for we, sure we'll we'll definitely have a beer, a beer virtually during that weekend yeah yeah no it's very it's disappointing but as you say perseverance you carry on you find another way and we will eventually have a live event and i'm, I'm sure yeah. it will be a real bang up after all of this yeah, stuff because right. people will want right. to have a good party so Absolutely. <laughs> yeah for sure well i am looking forward to the end of this month and, and that summit anyway regardless thank so, you thank so you much. for all you do i really appreciate it thank you and thanks for coming on yeah. today but absolutely have thanks buddy you too Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de saint Rome.